Howdy. Howdy. Welcome, Scott, to Cinequest. Yes. Welcome back to Cinequest. <laughs> and now we have our first Cinequest guest. What it do? And we're going to be talking about John Wick, chapters one through four. Yep. All directed by Chad Stolowski. Same guy for all of them. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like this is one of those franchises where you can't really switch up the directors. It would probably be really weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm just going to try and do like a Keanu voice for this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you guys say something, I'm just going to be like, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging it. Do you want to start this podcast or you just want to give me a gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get it. I think he only says like 28 lines in the entirety of chapter four. Really? And it's legendary. I just love that. I mean, I can see that the entire time he's fighting. The entire time. Well, I'm pretty sure chapter four also has uh, like double the amount of set pieces out of all the other John Wicks combined. Like I think there's like 14 set pieces in chapter four. That makes sense. So, and it's also 170 minutes long. Yeah, it's Which is outrageous. It's not outrageous. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water was like 192 minutes But it long. had the content to fill the time. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we're jumping. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold up. Katie, why don't, you, why don't you tell us about what you did like about John Wick? Okay, so I did not think I was going to like the movies. And honestly, getting into it, like I started, I was just doing homework. I started the first one. I was like, meh, I'll see. And I really liked it. I really liked, um, I don't know the actor's name, but The Son. Yeah. He plays... Uh, it's the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he, he's in Game of Thrones. Who loses his balls. Yeah. Old Theon. Yeah, Theon. I was just trying to say Theo. That's I was thinking Theo Vaughn instead of Theon. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I really liked it. And it had a it had a gripping story. Honestly, could have stood alone. Just saying. Um, but, you know, they can't <laughs> ever just let things die. Well, it was originally supposed to be a standalone. Yeah, probably. Makes too much money. It was an indie film originally. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, and I I don't particularly like Keanu Reeves. <sighs> There's a hot take. I think he's a great person in real life, but I've never really seen him in anything I care for. Katie, he is Neo. Yes, and I will admit that I haven't watched The Matrix as <sighs> an adult, so I might, I might feel differently about it should I watch it as an adult. I mean, he's phenomenal in The Replacements. I mean, it's a great sports story. Speed. Point Speed, break. yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I all the bigger ones. I'm over here talking about Replacements. But I mean, The Matrix and stuff. It's yeah, kind of a thing too. where if I get it in my head that I don't care for an actor, I don't watch any of their movies. I mean, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know? No. <laughs> I personally like Keanu. I, I mean, too. I think he's a great person. What I've heard about him as a person is great. But... Have, have you seen his training video? For the John Wick movies? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. his, where he runs the course. Yeah. And, like, he is, like, full-fledged sprinting through an actual, like, obstacle course and shooting. And, like, he's hitting these targets. Like, this man's a marksman. He's like, insane. he is actually trained. If shit hit the fan, 
Keanu Reeves would survive. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he also invented his own kind of like flip reload that's actually faster than the training reload they taught him. And he started it in Chapter 3 Parabellum, where he would like flip out the magazine, then slap another one back in at the same time. That's pretty cool. And apparently they were timing him, and he was actually quicker while doing that than doing the, like the certified probably training one. Probably because that's what he does. Like when he's doing the speed courses, like he does his own, and so he's getting faster and faster at it. It's so. insane. Apparently the director noticed it and was like, what are you doing? What is that that you're doing? And he's like, oh no, it's just a flip you know, and it works. And he's just like, <laughs> why is it faster than the actual like regulation reload? <laughs> Which I mean, he did all that shit. Like he, the, the stunt in chapter four where he is drifting around a group of people while shooting a gun. Yeah. He, he did all that in real life. Like yeah. He actually trained to do that, and I mean, he did all the car stuff in Chapter One too. But I mean that that alone will make it stand out, definitely against other movies. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely just an action flick. Like, see, I, I'm I'm on the opposite side of this. I completely get people's uh, rationale about you know the John Wick movies are just action like gun porn like you know they're just action films but i think there's like a really lot more depth there to them than there really is i mean <sighs> there is the whole backstory with like the coins and all the groups and the, lore. the different levels there is a lore behind it but it's just it's mostly just action <laughs> see i was gonna say though i felt more or less yeah, with all the stuff going on with the groups and stuff, I felt more or less the connection with John Wick and his struggles as the whole losing his wife. In the first one, the, yes. Yeah, but you can see that he is still dealing with this into the second and the third. You know, like, you still see that. It gets brought up multiple times, you know, what kind of man he wants to be, and it, it just, I don't know. I was kind of connected with that. Yeah, that that's kind of what I got out of it because when I first watched them, I liked them simply because great action. I love Keanu doing all of his own stunts, doing all of his own action. The fighting was unique, and that and for its time, when the first John Wick came out, that had really never been done before. That kind oh, of action, it looked really good. Yeah, like the whole takedowns and mixing kung fu with guns and martial arts, it was all really good. But then when I rewatched them, I noticed that there's like a specific theme for each individual movie. And it kind of reminds me of Francis Ford Coppola talking to Ilya Kazan, which is the director of like A Streetcar Named Desire and On the Waterfront. He said, when you make a movie, take one word that is the driving force behind the whole movie. And if you ever have any questions or ever have anything that you want to go back to when directing a scene or anything, just think about that one word. Does it go back to this one word? And when I was rewatching the John Wick movies, I realized they kind of go with that formula. Like the first one is just revenge. Yeah. It's simply a vengeance story because he lost the only point of like innocence that he had left in his life that he was using to grieve his wife. It was the puppy. Second one, it's reflection. Because I don't know if you noticed, but the entirety of John Wick Chapter 2, he's framed with mirrors. Even the final scene, like the final fight in all of Chapter 2 is that modern art museum and it's the reflections of the self. Mm -hmm. And it's about him fighting with that, dealing with his regular civilian life and going back into the hitman life where he's like fighting himself and then the third one it's remember because then the third one the only reason he's staying alive is because he's trying to keep the memory of his wife alive and he tells that to the guy when he has to cut off his ring yeah yeah he's like i'm only living to remember her and then i think the fourth one is requiem because requiem it's like a mass for the dead and that whole cathedral scene when he's talking to danny yin donnie yin and the 
church, and he's just like, you know, I hope she hears me, and he's like, you know, what if you're wrong? You know, it doesn't matter. He just wants to talk to his wife, and at the end, by the end, he's just like, you know, I just want my tombstone to say loving husband. He doesn't care about being a hitman. Right. He just wants to be John Wick again the way he wants to live his life, that little slice of life that he had for the short amount of time. So I don't know. That's kind of the way I look at the John Wick movies. Is like they are definitely action films, and they have a lot of centerpieces and a lot of set pieces. But I really do think there's like extreme depth to him, and I think the character himself is extremely complex. I think he is. That that is definitely something I agree with. I really think he is a very complex character, and that's what added to my interest. Like I said, all of action movies. But if that wasn't there, the drive wasn't there for that, you're right. I would have been <laughs> just another action movie. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> I kind of felt like the third one, I'm just saying this outright. The third one to me was my favorite. Parabellum. I like Parabellum. Yeah. I, I really liked the whole, just everything about that movie is, you know. Casablanca stuff was good. And the dog stuff. <laughs> right. And... The fourth one, I do like it. We did not finish it. <laughs> but it, it almost got to the point to where I felt like I was seeing the same scenes. The like, same combat over and over again. It was the same. And it just felt like it wasn't moving, and it wasn't moving. And I was like, ugh. Just get to the point. Yeah. Granted, I had to go to bed, too. And, then, you know, we cut it off then. But... That seems to be a lot of people's complaints about with John Wick is like, um, I don't know. I just remember when four came out, there were a lot of people that didn't like it because they, they have that kind of stagnant look to it where they say like, oh, you know, I, I've seen chapters one through three. I've seen all this stuff. I've seen the dog fights. I've seen the, the dog foo. I've seen the car foo. I've seen all this. And they just don't really care. And then you have some people who are, you know, they actually sit there and like, analyze each set piece and they just sit there and just like oh this is so intricate they added dragon breath into this scene they got him drifting around groups of people and going through the arc of triumph oh there was there was definitely some cool scenes like i i I noticed the dragon's breath yeah and this is the one where he was driving around the uh what is it called the arc of triumph yeah yeah Yeah, that was a really cool scene yeah and those are two things that were kind of different in it it was just what you can call us those people it did, some of that felt like we were watching the exact same stuff that we'd seen one yeah. through three. Which is a valid criticism. Yeah, but it's it wasn't necessarily like, I you know what to expect in it. So I was expecting all of the fighting and stuff, and I didn't feel like I'd already seen it in the other movies. I just felt like this movie alone, it had so many of the same scenes, just in one film. It did have a lot of set pieces, that's for sure, because... The director said, you know, with each one, the director said, you know, he made the first one. He was like, that was it. And then he was like, well, then we got the idea for the second one. And then after we made the second one again, we were like, all right, we're done. We're not making another one. And then it just kept happening. And so they finally got to the fourth one. He was just like, how can we make this as outrageous and ridiculous as possible? Because I don't know if you've noticed, but each one gains runtime. Like the first one's like, I think, 100 and something minutes longer than the second one's 120, third, 130-ish, and then the fourth one is 170 minutes long. And, you know, he just kind of takes it up a notch every time. And it kind of, like you guys said, it gets to a point where it's like, all right, what can we do with the action to make this different, but we still want to keep it John Wick. We still want him to be doing the takedowns. He still has to have the same fighting style. 
which I think they tried to change it up in four by adding in Donnie Yen's character mm-hmm. and the tracker, Mr. Nobody. Like, they wanted to have different people that you could follow. So you could, yeah. Different fighting styles. Right. Yeah. Like, Donnie Yen's blind assassin is pretty genius. That is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it kind of takes from the good, the bad, and the ugly, where it's like you got the the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, and then you got the tracker, and then you got the other guy. Like, it's three different guys, and it follows a centerpiece around them. So I kind of enjoy that. At least they try to change it up a little bit. It wasn't John just destroying everything that he comes in yeah. contact with. And it's globetrotting. I like that, too. Because, you know, in the third one, you go to Casablanca. In the second one, you go to Rome. When he, when he's, he goes to Rome, that guy is actually Django, the original Django mm-hmm. that he sees in Rome. And he's like, are you here for the Pope? Like, you know, there's stuff like that. I like how each movie goes to different locales and different settings. And it makes it feel very global and international with the Assassin's Underworld. Because mm-hmm. that whole lore, that whole world seems fascinating. This to man me. took out Common. <laughs> Poor Common. Well, he gave him, he gave him the, <laughs> the choice. He was like, you know, you take it out. You're going to die. Or you can leave it in and survive and not chase me. You know, he didn't kill him. I mean, he killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it right there in his sternum. Yeah, gave him the choice. The death touch, basically. It was really a choice. Man's proud, too proud. (laughs) Pride got him killed. I liked the first two. Yeah. I mean, they're... I really... The second one, I think, is really good. Like, when he goes to the... He goes to the... Sommelier, whatever yeah. his name is, and he's like the, supposed to be the wine taster dude, and he's like, "What do you want for dessert? What's this? What gun do you want here?" In the whole catacombs. Oh, scene. I love, I love that where he is going in there and getting suited up, like just the different people he's coming into contact with: the doctor, the weapons guy, yeah. the armor, the suits, all that stuff. Yeah, that's pretty funny. There, I love all the different characters yeah. in the world. I love the concept of the hotel. I actually thought Me that too. was really cool. How there's this. These hotels around the world that cater to the hitmans of the world. Yeah, the Continental. Dude, that yeah. is so cool. Like, you can't there's so much that I love about those movies that are cool aspects. Because I feel like, I mean, I don't know if anybody's really done that before, but it doesn't feel like that's another typical thing. Oh, this is a hotel just for, you know, assassins and hitmen and stuff like that. But there's a code in the hotel. You can't kill each other on grounds. Yeah. And they have the whole uh, bounty board and stuff like that when people start getting, you know, mm-hmm. set up for the bounties. And these people legit live by these codes. Like, he couldn't, when the time was counting down, like, nobody wanted to help him. And as soon as the time ran down, the doctor was just like, it's past time, and they're going to know that I helped you. You're going to have to do something. And he fucking shoots them yeah. to help, you I know, do sell love it. all that stuff. Because it, I love how certain people don't care about the rules. And, like, mm-hmm. in the first one, the girl breaks the rules to try and kill John in his room, and then she gets executed oh, yeah. by yeah. Winston at the end. And I love how, like, it, the doctor, for example, at the beginning of Parabellum, I don't know if you noticed this, but when the places that he shoots him at, like, right there and then right between the collarbone, mm-hmm. which, oh, oh, shit, you guys didn't finish Chapter 4. Mm-mm. Chapter 4 ends in a duel. And he has to duel Donnie Yen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. He has to duel Yen? Yeah, because the, he duels the... The Marquis makes Donnie Yen be his second. Aww. So he has he makes Donnie Yen have to do the duel for him. What a bitch. Yeah, but you notice, though, when they're dueling, they're shooting each other in the... Spots. In that the spots that the doctor was talking about in Parabellum, where it's like, that. that's not a kill shot. They're not kill, kill shot. shots. Yeah. Because yeah. they get to the point where they, John Wick shot, like, I think, four times. Mm-hmm. And he falls on the ground, and the Marquis thinks he's about to die. And so the Marquis takes the gun from Donnie Yen, puts a bullet in it, 
and then tells Donnie Yen his daughter's free. You're good to go now. And then tries to walk up to John Wick to take the final shot to say he killed Baba Yaga. And then Winston's like, you arrogant asshole. He never shot. And then John Wick sits up and shoots the marquee straight in the head. And that's how it ends. Except John Wick also dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he officially dies. He dies. Yeah, because he after he shoots the marquee, he's legitimately bleeding out, and he falls on the steps. And then he tells Winston to take him home. And then it shows his like a, uh, it shows his tombstone, and it says "loving husband." Hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. and they walk off. But there's gonna be spinoffs. They're making the Continental TV show, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a prequel series about young Winston, young Wick, and everything. But they're also making another spinoff called Ballerina. And it's starring Ana de Armas. Oh, okay. And she's going to be one of the female ballerinas that's in the, the house, the uh-huh. Russian house that he was trained in. Mm-hmm. She loses her family, okay. goes rogue. These could be good. They I would could probably be, be more interested in the ballerina one just See. because I liked that storyline. And I'm more of the yeah. continental type yeah, of guy. No, I don't care about that. Yeah, I will not be watching the continental oh TV show. Ballerina sounds interesting, though, because Ana de Armas seems to be on an action kick because she was in No Time to Die mm-hmm. with Bond movies. And then she was also in The Gray Man with... Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So she seems to be on this little action movie kick she's got going on. But the the meta context behind the movies is interesting, too. How, like, in the first one, Winston was warning John Wick when he goes to the underground, where he's like, if you so much as dip a toe back in this pond, it may drag you back in. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's kind of the whole premise behind all the movies, is that he does this with vengeance, not caring what's going to happen. And then the rest of the time, he's basically fighting his way out and it just keeps getting worse <laughs> and worse. Because the second one, he breaks the continental rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't even give a shit because he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, dude. <laughs> I like Winston. Me too. He's one of my favorite characters in it. Even though he he does, you know, he pisses me off when he betrays John. You know what I mean? But it's like he had to portray John, but it ended up backfiring on him anyway because it didn't matter because they ended up trying to take away his hotel anyway. So it was kind of yeah. like you tried and you failed and you, all you did was portray a friend, <laughs> which it worked out, yeah, in the end. Who was uh, Winston's like right-hand person? Sharon. 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 Yeah, he was pretty badass. I like Lance Reddick. Yeah, I like him. R.I.P. Yeah, he was great. He and passed his, away. His connection with the second dog. Yes. Was cute. Named dog. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing I think about with Winston in chapter three is I don't think he knowingly betrayed John Wick. I think he knew I, John was gonna survive. I was I was gonna say oh, that. Yeah. But he did that to keep his hotel. Yeah, and I, I was think gonna that's say why, that. And I think that's why the marquee kills Charon at the beginning of chapter Dude, four. Because he knows he wasn't going to kill John. He's like, I shot at him. He's like, yeah, but no shit. He's not dead, buddy. <laughs> like, we, Yeah. Like, you can shoot at him all you want, but you didn't kill John Wick. You see, that was, a, man, that was upsetting. That was a hard, hard death a little bit. I thought Winston was going to eat it at first when yeah. I saw it in the movie theaters, and I was shocked that they actually killed Sharon. Yeah. Well, make him live with it. Yeah. You can tell that that was worse because it was fucking with Winston. Yeah. Definitely much more of an impact than actually killing Winston because the whole time he was sitting there expecting it. Well, and I th- like you said, the audience, I think, did too. Audience was like, oh, this is it. Winston about to get it. And mm-hmm. he shoots the other man. You're just like, oh, no. <laughs> Not him. <laughs> Shoot no. Winston. No. Winston's supposed to die. I, I absolutely love all the, the metaphors and symbolisms they put in these movies, too. Like Charon, who, who dies in Chapter 4. You know, that's like the, the boat carrier for the River Styx mm-hmm. in mythology. And then you have like um, the reference to Dante's Inferno and Parabellum. 
where the tall guy at the beginning, before the time is run out, tries to kill John yeah, the Library. Yeah, the basketball, that's a basketball yeah, player. Yeah, he's a basketball yeah. player. I don't know his name, though. I don't remember his name either. But he, he was reading Dante. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's kind of funny that the movies seem to progress kind of like Dante's Inferno, where he's going through the layers of hell, and he's just getting deeper and deeper into it. But it seems like the all the movies have a very mythological story kind of vibe to him because i even the fourth one i think feels like homer's odyssey like it's so long and he's just trying to get to his end goal and he's seeing all these different foes and everything yeah yeah a lot of symbolism in him which i enjoy that a lot when movies do stuff like that i don't know i feel like i need to go back and rewatch them i feel like they're the type of movie that every time you watch it you get something new out of it yeah. They're n- not just what they are. Yeah, that's how I was. Because when I first saw them, I was kind of like that. Where I was like, fun action movies. Good. Yeah. But then when I rewatched them, I actually liked them a lot more. Because I rewatched all of them leading up to Chapter 4 coming out in theaters. Because I knew I was going to see it in theaters. And on rewatch, I was like, these are so much better than I gave them credit for originally. You notice more stuff. Like yeah. you said, it's something that if you rewatch it, it's better. Like, um, I love all the stuff with the, again, with the... What's the guy's name that's in chapter one? Who is uh the guy who ties the the guy gets the car sold to him and he punches the son? Oh, the he's in a lot of nineties. Yeah, movies. I, know, I know who you're talking about. He was in like Romeo and Juliet and yeah, all that. I loved his character. His character was funny. oh, dude, that was, it was funny as hell when he was like scared shitless. He was like, "Whose car is this?" <laughs> and he's like. Oh boy, you could just all over his face is like, you know, you done fucked up. You yeah. done fucked this yeah, up. Yeah, and then he hits him, and it's he's like, I'm gonna tell my father, whatever. Blah. And he's like, Go tell your dad. He's Go got ahead. something way worse coming for him. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite parts about the first one is that the son has no idea who he fucked with, and even his dad knows who it is. But the son is like, I can't believe you just hit me. I'm gonna tell my dad, and he's like, Okay, what? He's gonna know why when your you dad's tell him. gonna hit you. Oh yeah, you tell him. <laughs> Yeah, and then the dad, as soon as he calls him, he's like, did you strike my son? And he's like, yeah, he stole John Wick's car. And he immediately was like, oh, oh, and hung up the phone. (laughs) Well, and I like, too, like, he busts all this shit out of concrete. And then he's burying it when he gets something else thrown in his face. He's, like, putting it back under concrete. And Mm. he's like, well, guess I'll have to dig it back out. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's so sad because at the beginning of chapter one, you know, you see the her her coffee mug. He never leaves it. It just sits there on the counter next to his every morning. And yeah. it has the Daisy on it. And yeah. then he sends the dog. She sends the dog to him named Daisy. And Daisy's collar and everything has a Daisy on it. Ugh. And then the dog gets killed. And he puts the collar on the bed stand next to like her necklace and yeah. stuff. And it's just like, Jesus. This man <laughs> just, just... adding another one yeah, to the Yeah, just can't catch a break, <laughs> dude. I... In the beginning, like... The way that they created what John Wick was and becomes again, you know what I mean? I liked that aspect because, yeah, we've seen Hitman movies, we've seen Assassin movies and things like that, but this man is, they make him so feared mm-hmm. that you're like, yeah. this man is a monster. And then all the action and you see how much of a badass he is, like, that was a cool thing for me because, like I said, and I'm not hating on anything else, but like you watch the Hitman movie, you're like, oh, he's a badass. Like you know, he's but a part he's of this. Just a Hitman, right? Yeah. And, and it's because like, that's what he said. He calls him the Bobby Yaga, and he's like the Boogeyman. He's like, no, this is the man that you send to kill the Boogeyman. Yes. <laughs> like this is 
the most feared man ever. Yes. Right. I love movies like that that have characters that are like have their own kind of lore to them yeah. within the realm itself where people hear about them and they're just like, oh shit. Yeah. It's so over the top that you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is so what dramatized about what he is like people are like literally shitting their pants at the thought of this man and it's like yeah. this is gonna be such a great thing to see of what kind of monster they are about to unleash well it's it's kind of like that thing like the word of mouth thing where mm-hmm. word of mouth just travels and it just keeps expanding and it becomes a tall tale because when you're actually watching the john witt movies i mean he's good he's a killer he's talented he can definitely take out some people but you can also tell that a lot of the stuff has been exaggerated Mm. And he actually is kind of nice. Like, he spares a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he actually has, like, a heart. But he, at the same time, if you piss him off, he's going to drown you in the sink. Like, right there, that dude, <laughs> yeah. he just drowns in the fucking <laughs> sink in the club in the first one. Mm-hmm. And then that whole thing where it's like, he killed two men in a bar with a pencil. <laughs> fucking pencil. Yeah, and <laughs> and then you see story. him do it in Parabellum. Or wasn't it in Parabellum or wasn't it in Chapter 2? Where you see him kill the people with the pencil. I think it was three. It was it was one of those, but you see him actually do it, and yeah. then that then you have the Russian dude in chapter two at the beginning when he's getting his car back, and he's like, "Any story you've heard about this dude, if anything, has been watered down." <laughs> and it's like all these people will just fear for their life with him. But I just love how he's framed like in the beginning of chapter two, he's framed like a damn serial killer. Yeah, like it's like Michael Myers like walking through the shadows, like yeah. when he, the guy's smoking the cigarette, and he just pushes the cigarette into his mouth and then chokes him out right there. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's so intense. And, like, it's funny to see how other characters are reacting to characters that are not taking this as seriously as it is. Yes. Like, well, they're like, it's just a man. And then the other people are just like, yeah, you'll see that <laughs> it's just a man and what just this man can do to anybody he wants. Mm-hmm. When they're at the red circle and the son still doesn't realize who John Wick is, yes. he's like, you fucking scared? And he's like, no, but you should be. And he like takes the champagne bottle from him. He's like, <laughs> fucking child, I have to babysit you. This right. man's going to kill you. Like the When he actually does get to the red circle and he kills that dude in the sauna area mm. and he's holding that dude down and he's looking dead at the sun and he just points the gun down and shoots that guy right in the head and not breaking eye contact yeah. with the sun while he's in the hot tub and he's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I guess one of those things where you're just like, nah, dude, that's like, that's the kind of acting I love when a character isn't just like saying lines or just becoming a character. Like he's embodying the character, like his mannerisms, oh, yeah. his body is- language. Keanu Reeves is 100% John Wick. Yeah, it's just, that's, it's like not even method acting. It's just, no, it's just that is his embodiment of that character. And he has even from the facial tics to the mannerisms down. Like, oh, that yeah. is a, that is not even just a character. It's a whole human being that's being realized. And I just love that, too, because chapters one through three take place over, like, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And people complained about that, too, when those movies came out. They're like, how come he's getting his ass beat so much? when it gets to, like, the third one. And it's like, have you guys not realized that this man has not had a rest for, like, more than He's 24 been hours? He's shit rock yeah. since the Yeah, the like, the first time he gets a rest is between three and four. Other than that, he's been going nonstop since chapter one. Yeah. He rests for, like, a couple seconds in the second one, and then his whole house gets blown up, and he gets thrown right back into the shit. And then chapter three literally starts right after chapter two. That was funny about, and this is a very minor part, the cop... 
that comes to his house multiple <laughs> times. Again? Yeah. <laughs> and like it's like these people know. The community knows. Like this is a cop that comes Wait. up there and he's mm-hmm. just like all right, I'm just going to let you be. I was just checking on you. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> um, He doesn't go back and dig up his stuff, does he? His house gets blown up. In yeah. the beginning of chapter two, yeah, his house gets blown up. Yeah, so he doesn't go back for his no, stuff. No, but he pulls it out. I thought he pulls it back out of the wet cement or something like that at one point. He gets his stuff in chapter two when he goes From to Rome. From all the places, yeah. yeah. When he gets all set up because he still has a oh, bunch of yeah, the coins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, right. he pays off the people with the coins. And that's when he gets the... That's the first time he gets the the, the suit. The suit that has yeah. the fiber sewn into it that can deflect I guess it the was bullets. like a mental thing when I wa- when I was watching him pour the concrete at the beginning of that movie. Or was it at the end of the first he one? He does rebury it. Right. Yeah, I knew he, he did that. But it was like in that scene, it's just like you already know there's four movies. So it's just like I kept telling myself he's going to have to Remember dig that back Remember chapter two? Up. He has a uh, safety deposit box. Yeah. And he goes to the safety deposit box. And it's another stash that he has with yeah. like passports, different yeah. currencies, and a whole other... Am I crazy? Did I imagine this scene that he pulled this box back out of the cement? He Does he not pull it back yeah, out again? I guess. I guess it was both of us convincing ourselves. Maybe I just wanted that. To we happen. know it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so we go just get told that box. It did. <laughs> yeah, he goes to a safety deposit box. Yeah. And the whole a whole different stash. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he reburies it because he doesn't want to. You know, he doesn't really want to get back into that life. Yeah. It's just. He kind of had that little breaking moment where it's like, you just had to kill my fucking well, dog, dude. I mean, they even <laughs> say that it's a miracle that he even got out in the first place. Yeah, because he did the impossible task. Yeah, so if, if he goes back into it, he knows what his, that's going to be his life. He's going to die in it. That's mm-hmm. going to be his life. And that's that's what I like about Chapter 4 a lot, too, is that there's a lot of uh, acceptance of death. And I think that's something that's very overlooked in our society as a whole, not trying to be pretentious or anything. I just think that it's... Uh, a very stoic thing yeah. to accept the fact that you're going to die. And John Wick is a very stoic character. And yeah. I love characters like that. And even Winston says that at the beginning of chapter four, where he's just like, you know, when they put the hangman noose around him, he said, such is life. And it's like, you know, that kind of acceptance. And near the end of chapter four, he says, you know, those who cling to life die, and those that cling to death live. So it's one of those things where it's like he knows that he has to die. Mm-hmm. to get out of this life and that's why by the end when he's bleeding out he's just like take me home Winston because he knows that he's finally at peace and it's all done and over with and he gets to be the loving husband again like he doesn't want to be John Wick he's just having to do it yeah. What I, uh, we yeah look this up what is John Wick's kill count Oh my God! I want to know. There's got to be a poll or there's got to be something out. The here director said he lost count. So whatever it is, I know. Gotta but there's got to be an official kill count for John Wick. Someone, whoever has sat there and just listened or watched every movie and just counted every fucking kill, or at least through the four movies. I mean, you know, there ain't no telling. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine what his kill count is. Four hundred and thirty-nine for but, movie one to four. Oh my <laughs> God! Seventy-seven. Hang on, let me open the full thing. I know the first one had the least amount of kills. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> estimated that he killed 140 people in chapter four, <laughs> 94 in chapter three, 128 in chapter two, and Ooh. 77 in chapter one. Yeah. Well, chapter two, remember the catacomb, the whole rage. Oh sequence. yeah, that's right. Where yeah. he's running, he and he has the fucking away, yeah. shotgun. Like yeah. he's, he goes, he goes ham in the catacombs in chapter two. Because that shit was wild. Dude, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just on screen confirmed kills. In chapter three, I guess the body count isn't as high form because he's sharing the kills with 
um, Halle Berry. Yeah. In Casablanca. Well, yeah. and uh, Sharon. And yep. is Sharon it, or Sharon? Yeah, Sharon. Yeah. When the yeah. hotel. That was, was a cool scene. Yes. One of my the favorite armored scenes. people. Yes. And when John Wick realizes they're fucking armored and he has to sit there and put the pistol between their helmets and their armor to get him in the neck. Dude, that was such a cool. I loved it. Like, I loved everything about that and I liked Sharon's character when they just knock and Winston lets them back into the vault and he's just like, what do you need? And then they're like, oh, well, you know, we're just coming back to regroup. Yep. They get shotguns and they just go out there together they're like, and just start wrecking shit. More firepower. Yeah. And Sharon's oh. like, I'm a piss in rounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just casual. Just another day at the office. And I love how Winston's just sitting there on the couch with his whiskey just. Yeah. <laughs> Get what you need. I don't give a shit. Now, I love in chapter four how, like, he has these relationships with these characters, like Donnie Yen's character and also the Osaka manager. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel the connection from them without knowing their backstory. Like, you know that they're all old friends. Well, it's all then it's a sign of respect. Like, you could tell they're all very respectful of who these people are. Yeah. And I, I love that build up when he's, yeah. when John was just like, you know, me and you left the good life a long time ago, my friend. Like, left it behind us a long time ago. Yeah. And the, the Osaka manager goes down there to talk to the Marquis yeah, guys. Yeah, they kill Scorpion. Yeah. That's the played Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat movie. The newest one. Unfortunately. <laughs> I did not like that movie, but I love Whatever, that dude man. as an actor. He man. is a great actor. He is amazing in almost everything I've seen. And I even liked him as Scorpion, even yeah. though I didn't like the movie. But that, I mean, that whole Osaka showdown... When the guys are like, you know, he's like, give me your guns. And they're like, nah, fam. And then they all got the ninjas come out with the arrows. And oh, everything. yeah. They get like just suited up and like do what they need to do. Oh, yeah. But they get ran through, boy. They are getting wrecked out there. All them guys come in there and it's just one after another. Everybody's just dropping. It was great seeing that shit go down, though. Yeah. And seeing it all build up. And then you got to see Donnie and use his little sensors as the magnets and taking people out blind with a gun. Oh, and Donnie Yen and uh, John Wick's fight where it's quiet and he's like, John, are you dead? Mm-hmm. And he's just laying there and <laughs> he's, he's not moving and then all of a sudden the glass cricks and he just starts going crazy again. There is a lot of good like scenes. I, I don't hate for it and I'll finish it. Yeah. It's just kind of timing wise and we just haven't finished watching it. But yeah. there's a lot of cool parts with those characters. And I even like the tracker. Like, he was kind of cool, like, you didn't, I mean, you're right, you don't know really anything about him, but he's kind of slick. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, his fighting style is a lot different than the others. When he keeps saving Wick, because he's like, your your price tag isn't high enough. Yeah, he's just waiting, yeah. Yeah. He's literally just poaching him, like, just trying to get him to just just get a little bit more expensive so I can kill you and cash in. Like, that's such a great concept for a character. And I don't, did you guys ever get to the staircase sequence? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's near the end. There, they have to. He has to go up this like two hundred step staircase to get to the church for the final showdown by sunrise. And the Marquis trying to get everybody to kill John Wick so he can't show up to the duel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we I think we cut it off right before that because yeah. I remember the Marquis sending everybody after him. Like yeah, the gauntlet yes. for the Paris stuff. Yeah, which is a nice little reference to Warriors, um, the Warriors movie. But like the he gets all the way to the top of the staircase. Marquis' right-hand man kicks him, and he falls all the way back down to the bottom of the staircase. And he has, like, three minutes to get to the church. Donnie Yen's character shows up and then helps him up, and he's like, you have to get to the duel, my friend. And then they literally, him and Donnie Yen fight together 
up the staircase the whole way. And it's such a badass sequence. They go all the way up to the top of the staircase just fighting side by side so they can duel against each other. Because Johnny cool. Yen's like, yeah, you're not going to die here, John. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, like I said, I want to finish it. We just didn't. It's it's. I think Chapter 4 is my favorite, personally. But that's just because I, I love all the set pieces and I love John Wick's I love his characterization that movie. How he goes from just being isolated for like 15 weeks underground healing and then he gets thrown right back into the mix and everything. And when he goes to the club to kill Killa and they're doing the five card, they're doing the poker match. Oh yeah. And he's like you got a pair of, you got fives and he's like yeah, he's a cheating prick. Like that's such a good scene. Oh yeah, and they're all just talking shit like they all know what this is. Oh yeah. And yeah, that's a pretty cool scene. He's like, you got five, he got five of a kind? He's like, yep. <laughs> it's an impossible hand. Like, as soon as you sat down, y'all know y'all lost. I love all the... There's always a club scene in a John Wick movie, and it's so great to me. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like none of these people react to this shit. They're like, oh, people are getting popped left and right in this club? Eh, fuck it. The music's bumping. Let's just keep dancing. Exactly. <laughs> people are getting murdered all over the place. And eh, it'll be all right. It's like the beginning of Blade. I don't know, and I guess it's kind of like the club scene in The Matrix, too. It feels like it's like a throwback to the, the 90s vibe, the club music scenes with the... The big clubs, yeah. everything's pumping, going, yeah. Because Chad Stolaski, the director, he used to be a, a stuntman mm-hmm. for The Matrix movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's he worked cool. with Keanu and um, Lawrence Fishburne and all of them. That's and why they're w- in this. Yeah, and he was a stunt guy in a lot of different movies, actually, working with Keanu, and then his first directional debut was the first John Wick. Mm-hmm. So I feel like all of his movies kind of have callbacks to the nineties and stuff. Cause I, I feel like that was like his, you know, that's where he came from and he kind of wants to show a little love to that. Yeah. And apparently Lawrence Fishburne got into the movies because he saw the first John Wick and he texted Keanu and he was like, bro, you're working with all the people that we worked with in the matrix and I'm not in this shit. That I told Katie when I saw it, I was like, look at this. They get Neo and Morpheus mm-hmm. back together. <laughs> Yeah, you Keanu know, literally texted back and was like, "We we're thinking about you. We, we got, got a part for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Bowery King is yes. great." And he survives. I thought that was crazy because you're like, "Oh shit, this man just got sliced and dice, and he ends up surviving." Mm-hmm. And that's where John ends up. Yep. So I thought that was cool. I saw on Facebook the other day, you know, the Matrix scenes where they like have to bend back and stuff. Bullet time. Yeah. So I saw how they did it. And they're literally in a room with a green screen, mm-hmm. and there's people behind them in full green suits, and they have planks. And yeah, the and they lean it lean back, lean yeah. it back, and lean it back forward. Isn't oh it? yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the the Matrix was groundbreaking visual effects wise, and all the stuff that they were doing. And then it, it, people, a lot of people sleep on it now. A lot of people call it corny and cheesy and all of thing. And I mean, and it's kind of like you know, how different is it than anything else that was coming out around the same time? It's just. People, I feel like people nitpick at stuff like that because stuff ages. Yeah. Things aren't the same. Movies aren't made the same. They're not going to look the same. There's so much different movies now compared to what came out 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's just people that are just nitpicking. I mean. Definitely. And people forget how ahead of the curve it was. Right. In terms of like martial arts and like the action films and everything. Because for that time, no one had ever seen stuff like that. Yeah. And then Blade kind of tried to do the same thing, which I like the first Blade movie, where, you know, it's like martial arts, and they try and take it to that kind of style of action filmmaking, kind of like the Johnny Woo over dramatic style. And I appreciate it. And I think the, I mean, yeah, the visual effects in the Matrix movies, they're kind of like the Avatar movies, where it's like they're kind of future-proof. Yeah. They still hold up. They look really good. That's like, 
I didn't listen to the Matrix. But, well, I mean, you know, we're talking about John Wick. But in the Matrix, that's like in the second one where those guys, they're like the ghost guys mm-hmm. that can go through the walls and yeah. stuff like that. That, I watched it not too terribly long ago, and if I remember correctly, those scenes where like all the visual effects with that, like them going through the walls and stuff, it doesn't really look like cheesy CGI. It looks great. Like it looks really good. And don't even talk about the whole fucking highway sequence. Right. Like that is one of the best oh, action is, sequences of all time. It, that is probably one of the best action The actions. highway chase scene yes. and they're all chasing each other. And they're jumping phenomenal. on the trucks and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. Phenomenal. It looks really good. Phenomenal. And then uh, what? The Matrix, the third one, when they have the whole Battle of Zion. And all the robots yeah. break into the city, and they all have all the mech suits on, and they're shooting at them, and it still looks amazing. Or back in the second movie where he's fighting all the Smiths in that courtyard. Yeah. Like, they're all pouring out of the different doors, and just all the... That's really cool, because I didn't look in to see how they shot that, but I want to know like how many people they had in those scenes. Obviously, a lot of that is going to be CGI. All the stuff floating around them is mm-hmm. all CGI and stuff. But how many like actors did they have like coming at him and stuff? There uh, was a lot of CGI in that scene, and that's one of the scenes that people complain about the most, actually. Really? But people don't realize that it also has a lot of analog filmmaking that's very impressive. They do have a lot of people in Smith suits, and right. the whole camera is doing like one take going around them as they're fighting. Yeah. And they do have CGI people in the mix, but there's right. also still real people fighting in a one take as the camera is spiraling around them continuously, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you know... People may look at it and be like, that's kind of cheesy. I don't like all the CGI today. And it's like, all right, but you try and get about 20-something people to all coordinate and fight together while you're spinning a camera around them without anyone messing up in a one time. Oh, yeah. You do that and then come complain about the Wachowski's direction. Like, you know, it's stuff like that that I think people nitpick, like you said, with movies. But they don't actually take into consideration how much is going into it. Right. And it's like, you can nitpick it all you want, but... I'd like to see you do that. <laughs> well, and it's the same thing, like, bringing it back to the John Wick movies. All the stuff that they had to shoot were all these 15 different guys that are coming at John Wick at one time. And some of those scenes feel like they're... The way the camera's moving and stuff like that, like, this is, like, one scene, and they have to get it right. Like, there's a lot of time and a lot of, you know, practice to make this stuff perfect for yeah. the camera. Like, it's really good. Keanu using the nunchucks? I watched the whole documentary about the nunchuck scene from chapter four, and apparently that was so hard because nunchucks, supposedly, I've never used them, but I'm just saying the martial artist that was training him said the nunchucks is kinetic force that's being transferred with motion, and every time you hit something, it has to come back. Mm -hmm. So they had to choreograph the whole fight around the fact that Keanu would have to sit there and hit something. It would have to come back. He would have to react and then have to be able to continuously move the nunchuck without it being boring. Yeah. And then also have to mix in using a gun in the middle of it. <laughs> and it's like, some people are like, you know, okay, he's using nunchucks, so what? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but look at how much is going into this. How much effort oh, yeah. is put into that of using a gun and using nunchucks and fighting off multiple guys at the same time. And it's like, it's pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Keanu's in his 50s. Yeah. It's like Tom Cruise. Like, this man just doesn't age, doesn't doing his own stunts. How is this man doing all this shit? <laughs> And he learned how to do all of the car stunts, too, on his own. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, that is what acting is. Like, you should be able to do that as an actor. Yeah. And there's so many people that get in, that just get in, and they don't, they don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. I know that CGI and stuff like that is great as far as like modern movies, but sometimes I feel like it's overused and that it's allowed actors to get lazy, I guess. Oh, yeah. And, I'm, uh, you know, you're always going to have those prima donna actors yeah. that are going to sit there and be like, yeah, just get my stunt double. Yeah. Just right. go in and go do that. I'm going to go sit over here and drink an espresso. Right. Like, you know, there's always going to be those prima donna actors who are just like, oh, I'm only here for the paycheck. Right. Like right. some of the action movies and Marvel movies and stuff exactly. where they have four stunt doubles and it's like, are, are the actual actors or actresses even in this movie? Mm-hmm. Like, is <laughs> They're just the pretty face in the costume. Right. Exactly. They're the, they're the right. scenes that's like, we're going to talk for a minute, but then when it gets to everything else, it's like, this is not even them. You should give, you should be putting the stunt novels names next to <laughs> yeah. like Captain America or whoever it is. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. I mean, then you have people like Tom Cruise and Keanu who are just putting people to shame. With right. their stunts right. and how committed they are to their roles and everything. Like I think Keanu was doing two different training sessions a day for six months straight before each John Wick movie. And you got to give it to the the goat of all when it comes to stunts. I mean, Jackie Jan, that man is yes. his yeah. own stunt double. You know, he's not. He does everything. Yeah. And so. Jackie Chan is. Honestly, one of the the goats, and I think you could probably put like Bruce Lee in there too. Like people, oh, like yeah. that, the whole people that started the whole martial arts trend in movies to begin with. Like that, you probably wouldn't have stuff like John Wick and all that without them. And I think that's uh, one of the biggest issues with the Academy is that they don't have a stunts category at the and Academy. They should. And I think that has been long overdue. Like why, like Tom Cruise doing the first ever Halo jump in Mission Impossible Fallout live on camera. And he did it 99 takes and then had to be taken to the hospital afterwards. It's like this much effort and you guys can't just have a stunt category right. awards at the Oscars. Like people are doing this shit on camera so they don't have to use visual effects and like green screen and all that. Right. They want it to be as real as possible because it is real. Yeah. Like they want you to see that. Exactly. And it's it's that it's that pure cinema. It, it's a, like a French thing that happened when they started watching movies that started coming out with like Westerns and everything. They called Westerns pure cinema because they were built around the fact that camera, dynamic movements, real action on screen, and it was mostly visual storytelling, not much dialogue. It was yeah. centered around action, and you actually watch it unfold, like the vistas, the locales. And I feel like that's how action movies are today with stuff like Tom Cruise and like Keanu Reeves where they're trying to go for this thing where there's not that much dialogue because they're going for that pure cinema, just visual storytelling of action. And I feel like if movies, since they are a visual medium, if that is something that has been around since like the 50s and 60s with counterculture and the French movement and they're like, this is pure cinema, how is the Academy going to sit there and be like, yeah, but we're not really going to honor right. action movies. Like, you know, we'll give you best sound design. Maybe, <laughs> you, you yeah. Know, we might just give you a little nod here and there, but we're not going to do a stunt. Well, category. It you're right. It doesn't make any sense. You have all these other categories for not saying that these things don't matter, but it's like stuff that you're like, all right, so they're going to win that. But you're right; they don't have a stunts category. Yeah, but whatever. More effort is put into that than I think anything. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's still a lot of the Academy Awards. We know that you're out there listening. <laughs> yeah, they're Take listening this. to Cinequest yep. right now. The Academy Awards are just sitting over there, just listening to this one episode and about John Wick, and they're like, "Fuckers, called us out." Yep, <laughs> this is your time. You can change things. They're classes. <laughs> <laughs> they're elitist. They just care about the prestigious movies. Yeah. They're like, you know, 
when's the next drama coming out? <laughs> when's the next King's Speech coming out? That's what we want to see. A- actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on the Academy too much. They actually did give Top Gun Maverick like a lot of nominations and Avatar: The Way of Water. So I think they're they do give nods to like action stuff yeah. and everything. But I'm just saying, the stunts category is something that's long overdue. I feel like. But is there um anything else you guys have to say about Mr. Reeves or He's Mr. the man. Wick? I don't care what Katie says. Baba Yaga, Jonathan. He was all right. Oh, whatever. He was all right. Yeah. Yeah. You put some respect on Keanu. She doesn't I put mean, some respect on Keanu. I mean, it was great for what it was. Like I said, I love Keanu Reeves as a person, as a human being. He is a pretty awesome I person. I mean, I'm not saying he's a shitty Definitely. actor. It's just not my thing. Yeah. His acting style, I feel like, is um, an acquired taste. Like, I, I feel like he's one of those actors where it's like you either love him or hate him. Kind of like Nicolas Cage. Some people Don't watch yeah, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Some people watch Nicolas Cage and they're like, oh, he's going full cage right now. It's great. And then the other watch Nicolas Cage and they're just like, it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's another Nicolas Cage movie. Exactly. So. But uh, yeah, I love Well, and maybe I haven't seen him in enough stuff. Like I've seen him in stuff when he was a lot younger and it was like he was in goofy roles. And so he's just kind of like whatever in my mind. John Wick is the first thing I've seen him in that's serious. Like I said, I've seen The Matrix, but... It's been so long, I couldn't tell you anything about it. You need to watch, like, uh, My Own Private Idaho and, like, River's Edge and then watch, like, the Matrix movies and then, I don't know, have you seen <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I've seen bits <laughs> and pieces. That, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not really a fan of it either. But I there's don't <laughs> like, if it if it's comedy and it reaches a certain point where it's just stupid, mm-hmm. I'm out. Well, you probably won't like that movie then. But River's Edge and My Own Private Idaho, I think you'd like both of those. They're both really good. And I'm sure I'm forgetting other good Keanu movies. You probably wouldn't like Point Break. You wouldn't like The Replacements. You probably wouldn't like that. Only you because it's a sports movie. You probably wouldn't like Speed. But I don't know. The Matrix movies are good. I even like the fourth Matrix movie, and a lot of people shit on that, too. I. We can talk about this on another Yeah, we place. need a Matrix I, episode. We do, and we can go through Matrixes 1 through 4 in that. I well. have a lot of opinions about the fourth one that we may disagree Shut on, the so fuck yeah. up, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back for that one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we had our first guest on CineQuest. Bravo to Hell yeah. Scott for being Hell on yeah. here. Thanks. Appreciate uh, it. The AC is not working in here, so we're all dying. Oh dear currently. God! I'm so sorry. You probably can notice it. And if <laughs> I'm you sure didn't, they can see it. Notice it now. You're not that bad, but Scott is glistening. <laughs> listening. So His eyebrows are wet. So we're gonna cut this out before we drown in our own sweat. Yeah, but I'm committed, and this is <laughs> it right here, baby. This is all for y'all. This is what we do for Keanu. Right. Hell yeah. Love you, Keanu. <laughs> we're out. Deuces. Like, follow, share. Appreciate you guys.